on the Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Welcome to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming, Be Connected, proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer-driven. Now, here are your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry. Welcome once again to Bailiwick here inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino, the Kevin Kruger Radio Show, as uh, the Runner Rebels in the midst of uh, a bit of a gauntlet, four games in uh, eight days, five in ten, and uh, starting with a split of the first two, a big win up at San Jose uh, a few days ago, and then last night a tough one at Air Force, uh, a place that has been a bit of a house of horrors for the Runner Rebels over the last, really, six or seven years, and... uh, just a, a tough one last night as the guys uh, tried to make a comeback and just couldn't get it all the way back. So uh, the Rebels now will turn their attention to the rematch with San Jose. This is just, I thought last year was weird, and I think it, it was way weirder than this year just because of the no fans and the, the COVID and all that. This year's pretty weird with all the scheduling stuff. And uh, a rematch with San Jose uh, tomorrow afternoon, a noon start at the Thomas and Mac, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, great way to, to get your Saturday going. Come on out to the Thomas and Mac and join us. We'll have all the action for you starting at 11.30 with Runner Rebel Warm-Up. I'm John Sandler, and I'm joined by head coach Kevin Kruger. And, uh, Coach, I was saying to you as we, uh, as we met here, uh, I'm awfully tired, and if I'm tired, you've got to be exhausted, and the guys have to be, uh, well, they're young, so maybe they're not so tired. Yeah, they're young. They're, uh, they're used to it. Um, but it is what it is. Everybody's kind of gone through it at some point. Um, you know, the conference assured me that all games will be made up. So, you know, here we are. We're going to be fully caught up by Tuesday, Tuesday, whatever day that is after Monday, San yeah. Diego State. And, uh, and then we'll be kind of back to our normal schedule. So at some point, though, everybody's going to have to go through it because everybody's got postponed games at this point. And um, hopefully it's something that having the, the games – kind of back-to-back allow us to learn uh, quickly and adjust and and that's what the guys want to do though you know we we even talked last night after the game in the locker room uh, you know a number of coaches on the coaching staff had the opportunity to play professionally and and this is what you'll see Uh, you know long nights short sleep uh, quick prep you got to turn it right back around uh, tie your shoes and go play again you can't hang on to it too long and so this is a great preparation for them to uh, for that next step and a, an opportunity to kind of get over it and move on. Well, that's that they'll have that opportunity tomorrow after the frustrations of last night with that rematch of San Jose State. Tonight, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some specific guys, uh, uh, their performances over the last week. Uh, Donovan Williams, his emergence and his continued growth. Uh, Mike Nuga had a great game up in San Jose. Here's some of his highlights and, ha- and uh, some David Moka highlights. Uh, that includes a, a reference that you might enjoy. Uh, we'll, we'll do that coming up. But, Coach, just, just kind of want to get your, um, I don't know, frame of mind uh, this, this season. With the, It's been herky-jerky. It's been difficult to manage. It is your first season. I think you're doing a tremendous job uh, given everything uh, that, that you're having to deal with in this first year. Um, but, but it's another chance. We've done this you know, once or twice, and this is another chance maybe to pause and reflect a little bit about how things are going. Um, I know they're not perfect. Uh, I think from the outside, I know talking to fans, there's a lot of optimism. 
There's a lot of excitement about the future of this Runner Rebel program under your stewardship. Um, I think fans were encouraged by the way you handled the transfer portal. They're very encouraged by the way this team plays. And the fact that, um, you know, an example is last night. Got off to a good start. Air Force kind of did what they do at home, especially grind you and grind you and, and, and eventually start to take a lead and widen the lead and you start to get frustrated. And, and frankly, Rebel teams in the past that have gone through that um, wind up down 15, 20, and no, no inkling of a, a hint of a comeback. Last night, that wasn't the case. They got to that tipping point, and the guys said, no, we're going to stay in this game, and, and they did a heck of a job. So, so from that perspective, whatever, whichever way you want to take it, uh, you know, how things are going and, and, and your, your excitement for, for sort of the, the rest of the conference schedule. No, I think we, you know, it's a great opportunity to, to bounce back. Uh, we talk a lot about how, you know, good teams bounce back. And they don't let a, a loss turn into two. And, yeah, it was tough last night because we, we came out of the gates doing everything we wanted to do. I mean, we, we, crossed, we checked every box we had talked about, and then we just hit that lull that we've hit at times. And, and in San Jose, we didn't hit it. And in Air Force, we did. And uh, we just got a little bit into a hole that we couldn't climb out of. And Air Force is a team you don't want to fall behind on because they run their offense regardless of, of the score. And you've got to know you're going to guard for the duration of the clock. Uh, but last night, yeah, they, 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 they never gave up. You know, a lot of time left. And even at the eight-minute mark to the five-ish minute mark, they, they didn't seem to waver. Even though the score hadn't changed a bunch, they knew that they just needed a couple stops. They were, they were, the offense was kind of starting to – momentum was coming back our direction. So they, they just buckled down and got a lot of good stops. And then we just had a couple of mistakes late that yeah. allowed some open looks. But – uh, all in all, we, we did a lot of good things to, to make it an opportunity to uh, not only tie the game, but an opportunity to get back in it where another missed shot, another stop, and uh, who knows, could have gone differently. Yeah, and a couple little things, uh, a, a foul on an inbounds play, a rebound off a finger that went out of bounds. Uh, if, if those two things uh, you know, don't happen when the game was still uh, within one or two possessions, uh, who knows? And it's, uh, you know, a woulda, shoulda, coulda. And I know, uh, I know there are no, no moral victories. And certainly after the game, you were very frank and you said, you know, we played enough games. It's, it's, it's now time to get, get some of these in the win column. But uh, I, I admire and I enjoy watching this team and how hard they fight. And we've seen it over and over again. Um, last night was frustrating because, uh, you know, I had spent some time with you and the other coaches talking about Air Force. It's such a unique situation. And, you guys gave the message, but I know in the back of your mind, while you were giving it, you were saying to yourself, there's no way they're going to get this until they see it. And that's exactly what happened. A little bit, yeah. I think, uh, you know, uh, being able to coach now for a handful of years and play, uh, you know, there's certain things that you can't simulate. Uh, Air Force's offense, uh, West Virginia's pressure, uh, when Baylor or Syracuse's zone there's certain things you really just can't look at until, or you can't simulate and, and, and prepare for it until you see it. And I thought last night, again, we, the guys did a great job in their prep. They did a great job coming out of the gates. Um, we just, it, it was just one of those things where it just it, it wore on us a little bit, and we weren't just able to get over the hump. But um, now having seen it, uh, watching film on it with them today, uh, I think uh, we'll be better the next time we play them. Had you had, instead of... 36 hours to prepare, had you had three days to prepare, do you think it would have made a difference? 
Uh, I'll say yeah. <laughs> for, yeah, I teed it up. For so now, <laughs> just, you know, with it, coming out of it with a loss. But uh, uh, it's one of those things, you know, the prep's been different every every, uh, every game. Um, there are certain teams and styles you, you you actually look at when you get the schedule. It's, a, it's an odd thing, but you look at it and you look at the days of prep. Um, and Air Force is one of those where you're, you're curious when the Mountain West uh, schedule comes out of when you play them and where. And uh, it's important on travel. How much time are you going to get to have live reps uh, against what they do? And, or, or is it going to be a quick turnaround? Or uh, even going from you know, late night last night to noon tip-off tomorrow. You, know, you, do, you do look at those things. And Air Force is one of those teams that you wonder about because what they do is very deliberate. They're incredibly disciplined. And uh, you, you, you just want as much time as you possibly can have. Uh, to prep, prep for it because you, you got a lot of messages you want to get across to your guys. The other thing I always look at on the schedule is do you play them here first or there first? And I always feel the Rebels have a better chance, especially in a situation like this year when you've got 10 guys who have no idea what's about to happen if you play them here first. Because at least at that point you can say, okay, they're going to do the same thing. It's just going to be a lot faster and a lot better when we play them up there. Yeah, anytime you can play a team like that at home first, especially you get you know you get your crowd behind you, you get your your normal game day routine at home. Uh, I definitely think there is some some uh, mental advantage to that and uh, and mental experience after seeing it. But it is what it is. We had uh, we got four games in eleven days on the road, and uh, but we'll be all caught up. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean the guys are excited to play though. They they want to play games. They're tired of hearing us coaches in practice. So. Uh, uh, I think I think uh, at the end of it all, I think they're going to be glad that that we made it up, made up the games when we did, and we can move on. Bryce had an incredible game. He was one, he's one of the guys, obviously, who who knew what was coming. And I I thought from the jump, his aggressiveness under control. And there were only a couple of times when he got himself into trouble uh, driving the lane, but especially on the baseline and and finding finding a look from outside. Uh, his aggressiveness and his physicality was really impressive. Yeah, Bryce did a great job. You know, we talked to Bryce a lot. Bryce is an incredibly powerful athlete. Uh, he's incredibly strong and shifty and quick. And, you know, one of the things that we've talked to Bryce a lot about is two feet, you know, playing off two feet, playing strong. And I think last night was one of his better games of getting into the paint and just trusting his athleticism and his power and his strength and just jumping straight up and, and exploding to the rim as opposed to kind of fading away from it. And, He's just such a naturally gifted scorer. It's 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 almost weird to give him a suggestion on how to score it because you know nobody on our staff could score like he did. But you know it's one of those things where it's easier, I think, to critique when you when you could see it and never were able to do it. But uh, last night he was really aggressive from the start, made a lot of good plays, and was really a, a, the main reason we got off to a nine point lead. And he, along with Donovan Williams, uh, Bryce had thirty two. Donovan had nineteen. And, and Donovan, I mean, Bryce scored throughout. Donovan had six in the first half and then didn't score again, I think, until there were about eight minutes to go in the second half, and he really turned it on as well. He has that ability. It, talk to us, if you will, about what we could see from Donovan Williams in the next year and a half, two, two and a half years. Well, I think, you know, one of the reasons, and you'd have to ask him specifically, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but, you know, one of the things that we talked about during the recruiting process was the opportunity to be a focal point on another team's scouting report. And Donovan, you know, spending two years at Texas, he did what he did to, ha to help Texas win games. That's what he was asked to do. But that didn't come with, you know, being 
option one or option 1A on, on an opponent's scouting report. And that's something that, that we've offered him is to come here, have that opportunity this year, continue to grow and develop. And I think we, we've seen enormous strides from Donovan this season. But I think as the year goes on and as his career as a running rebel goes on, I think you're going to start seeing more consistent scoring throughout the games. I mean, we're asking somebody who for two years wasn't asked to do things throughout the, the entirety of a game and be consistent and be relied upon. And so for us to get what we've gotten out of Donovan and for what he's given to the program and the team this year, just after a month and a half of being asked to do something that that has so much responsibility and accountability and ownership, I think, uh, you know, the sky is the limit for him. And I think that's why uh, he's fun to watch right now. He's fun to be around. Uh, and I think he's having fun kind of figuring out how good and how much growth he can have. And, and, and you make a great point because guys like Donovan, uh, even Jordan McCabe after his freshman year, other, other guys who are transfers uh, didn't play that, that really significant role wherever they were before primarily. And as a result, there wasn't quite that level of accountability and responsibility. So you kind of put that, that into the mix of all the things that are new and all the things they're learning. That learning curve gets a little steeper and gets a little longer. Well, it does. And, I mean, I had the opportunity to redshirt. Uh, when I got to college uh, at Arizona State, and it, that those first few games back, are, it's different. It, it's it feels like you've been out for a little bit, and although you're improving, you're not. You don't have those game reps and that 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 same schedule. You know, when the fall comes around, you practice and you run. When winter comes around, you play games. You kind of take a year off from that. So we're, we okay, we've got a couple guys that have done that. So, uh, but. Again, we feel as a staff we're continuing to get better. That's a game that I think three, four weeks ago we, we probably don't fight back and, and make it a game. We don't uh, get off to the start we had. Um, so there, there's still things we feel that we're getting a lot better. I'm, I'm with you. We don't really do moral victories, but that doesn't mean as a staff we can't take pieces of a game and try to build on it and try to grow. We can't take film uh, individually and point out what the guys did really well, what we think they could do better. So while... Uh, but yeah, while we agree, moral victories, you know, they don't, there's not, they're not really a thing. That doesn't mean we can't improve even from a loss. Totally understand. Uh, one more thing about the Air Force game. I, I was watching to see how the guys reacted in a variety of ways. And I, I will say that, that Royce probably, as hard as he goes, as, as hard as he plays, he was the guy I saw get, get hit with the altitude, I mean, smack in the face early in the game. And, and, I mean, you saw when you took him out the first time. Yeah, we, we tried, especially, uh, you know, we didn't know we weren't going to have Josh uh, Baker uh, and Marvin there for uh, until kind of later, which, which these guys are used to. They've been with, a, with what feels like a new team every few weeks, and uh, they, they adjust to it pretty well. But um, we wanted to get, you know, subs in there quicker, not only because it's Air Force, but also because of the schedule. We want to keep them fresh. We don't want anybody to be running tired or playing tired. Uh, you know, injuries happen that way. Uh, confidence can start to struggle. But uh, oddly enough, the day before we left for, for Air Force, I stood in front of the group and I, I told them all, I think I told them, guys, elevation's a myth. Like, it's not a real thing. And uh, I, I probably should have taken a picture because they, they kind of looked at me like they didn't know if I was joking they didn't know if I was, I was being serious or just trying to get him going. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where we were just as high up as the Air Force team was in elevation. And, uh, but uh, I thought the guys battled through it. They fought. And I, I really didn't seem to notice it 
as much as uh, yeah, I didn't maybe either. some other teams. Yeah, Royce, Royce in that first – Just that first stretch. Yeah, and exactly. And he caught his second win, and I thought he was pretty good. From well, you route. can use Tark's old line, you know, when he told the guys – Which one would that well, be? They, they were all concerned about the altitude at Wyoming, and he said that they don't have to worry about it because they keep the windows closed. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that's that that's a good one. I'll save that one. <laughs> uh, but but the, other, the other thing was I was really interested to watch two guys who go absolutely uh, hardcore on the defensive end, Keyshawn Gilbert and, and Vic Iwako, um, both of them having to deal with Air Force uh, for the first time. And that sort of... Uh, you know, frenetic style of defense they play and see how it translates. They both had moments where it really worked well. Uh, there was the horrible call, Vic diving for the loose ball of midcourt uh, when he disrupted Air Force, and that would have changed the end of the game, I think. But, but there were also moments when both of them, especially Keyshawn, I think was taken aback a little bit like, okay, my stuff's not working as well against this as it does against a lot of other things. And a learning experience for both young guys. It was, it, because their, their style, they're going to, they got five guys that play on the perimeter that handle it. Uh, you know, that's what they do. They, they can all dribble it for a couple dribbles. They can all make backdoor passes. And, uh, and I think that was a little unique for Keyshawn. He's used to speeding people up. Uh, he's used to, you know, intimidating the ball a little bit and get, making that ball handler uncomfortable. And I think what Air Force does as well as anybody is they just react. They, they react to how you play them. Um, if, if you're bothering them while they handle it, they just kind of do a really good job of never getting back to the ball. So they'll back cut. They'll screen away. And it's just one of those things that they kind of do naturally within their offense. And it uh, probably took a little bit of Keyshawn's sting away, not being able to heat him up. But even then, that being said, you know, Donovan and Keyshawn pretty much traded off on Walker in the first half, held him scoreless. Yep. So we did our part there. Uh, Mills banks in a three from 28 feet and then another one from about 26 feet a, a few seconds later. Um, Taylor threw in a couple of deep, deep uh, – threes there early so uh, we did our job on walker we just uh you know maybe let the other guys go and get going a little too quick i gotcha we're gonna we're gonna put air force aside we're talk a little about san jose state here's some highlights and have some fun uh with uh one of our fine feathered friends who attended that game as well uh when we get back you are i uh, want to remind you that eos is a better gym better price eos fitness proud partner of UNLV Athletics. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. All right, back here at Bailiwick. Kevin Kruger Radio Show talking Runner Rebel basketball. Runner Rebels taking on San Jose State tomorrow at noon at the Thomas and Mac. We'll be on the air at 1130 with Runner Rebel warm-up as the Runner Rebels have the rematch with the team that... Uh, Played uh, certainly their best offensive game against and played pretty darn good defense as well. Took care of the Spartans uh, up there, 77-53, and, uh, and really just, uh, just as I said, took care of business. Actually, that wasn't even the final score. That, I'm looking at an old sheet. Um, 89 points for the Runner Rebels in that game. Uh, it's been that kind of week, John. It, it has been. And CT, Curtis Terry joining us now. We were saying at the beginning, I said, I'm tired. I can't imagine Kevin, <laughs> Kevin and the guys, but uh, they will battle through. Uh, those, the performances in that San Jose game, and I know you were a little concerned about it because uh, that environment, uh, guys have never seen it. It's quiet. It, it can lull you to sleep. San Jose shoots a ton of threes, and if you don't defend and they get hot, anything can happen. They'd won seven games already this season, but uh, no hesitation. The guys right from the jump uh, took care of business. Well, I thought the guys did a, an excellent job offensively of, of pushing the tempo, taking the shots they wanted to take, and uh, 
because San Jose still got off to a hot start as well. We gave up a lot of early threes uncontested, and uh, we weren't necessarily doing what we wanted to defensively, but we were doing such a good job offensively and sharing the ball and, and getting it side to side and getting in the paint and getting it for kicking it out for open looks that we were able to put enough pressure on them to where I, I don't think that they, they, they didn't maintain the same uh, string of shooting that they did to start the game. And our intensity stayed, though. Uh, I thought it was by far our best game, uh, top to bottom, and just in terms of intent, uh, how locked in the bench was, uh, how guys came in uh, after going out, coming back in, and, and we didn't miss a beat. Uh, everybody was in tune, regardless of who was in, who was out. And uh, I think overall that was probably our best game, uh, top to bottom on both sides. The guys adjusted uh, after give it, letting them uh, get going a little bit from three. They they talked about it, they discussed it in timeouts, huddles, and adjusted, and ended up ha having a pretty good stretch there until the last maybe two or three minutes of, of not giving up any open looks. And, and ironically, it's a game where Bryce struggled. Your leading scorer and your, your certainly your, your biggest offensive weapon, but other guys stepped up and. It started with Donovan. Uh, he, he, he got started right off the bat and, and just had a tremendous game. Here's a couple of highlights from Donovan Williams. Baker down the left side to Williams in the left corner. Donovan to three is good and a foul. Moore to the top of the key. Moore stops, reverses the ball, stolen by Donovan Williams. Williams all alone underneath for the slam dunk. Donovan Williams using it on both ends of the floor. Your specialty, the four-point play early in the game. And uh, he just, you know, he just continues to, we talked about him earlier, he's just going to get better and better. Uh, do you see Donovan becoming a leader on this team as he is with the program for a continued period of time? I think so. I think uh, part of Donovan's growth this year is, is expectations and, uh, from coaches. And anytime you can have a guy that, you know, of course, just like all guys and coaches, we've butted heads at times, but... You know, there comes a point where there's a decision to be made, and I think Donovan's making the decision that he wants to be on the same page and he wants UNLV to, to be to kind of one, to be all together instead of, you know, UNLV coaches and UNLV players. And I think once he started having that approach every day uh, and, and wanting to be on the same page, getting the guys to be on the same page, he's, uh, his season's really taken off. And I think, yeah, to go, go forward, I think Donovan's somebody, he's always on time. You know, he... he he does what we ask him to do. He stays and shoots after practice. Uh, you know, he lifts hard. He, he at every meal. He's eating right. He's he's doing everything he's asked to do. So I think the the responsibility and the leadership is, is one of those things that he'll just kind of continue to grow into. Yeah, he's a guy, Curtis. I know you like watching just because his athleticism is is gives him the opportunity to to really. Uh, kind of blow through any ceiling that he might perceive he has for himself. Yeah, I mean, when you look at him, you don't see just like a strong, stout, explosive, just like Mike Nuga. I mean, yeah. Completely different physique. Um, but he's just so fun to watch. He's like a gazelle. He just kind of glides down the court, um, slithers between defenders on his step-throughs and his finishes. Um, but I would, I would make the argument that he already is a leader. Uh, I've seen a lot of growth from Donovan from the start of the season to now. But for me, I see him, he leads with his actions, with his play. He's not the vocal guy. I don't see him yelling and harping at his teammates, um, like Royce does more so. Uh, but I think it, it's good for him to have this role and for him to be able to expand on it. And you can see how hot he, he can get at the drop of a dime. I mean, in the game against Air Force, he's got four points through, Sick, yeah. through the first, I mean, 30 minutes. Yep. And then all of a sudden, 
boom, 19, and we're back in the game. And so he's a very special player. He's still young, um, and I think he's just scratching the surface because once he continues to understand the game and, and sees it before it happens, uh, I, I think he's really going to take off, and I think he's going to be a bright spot for the future of this program. I totally agree. A guy who's a bright spot every day, and we've talked about uh, just how much fun he is to be around, Mike Nuga. He had a great game at San Jose offensively. Here's a sample of his work. To McCabe, fakes the three, kicks it back to Nuga. Nuga, three from the left side, is good. Good ball movement right there, just as you said. And Nuga knocks down the three, 41-29. Nuga all the way out top, now to Hamilton with eight on the shot clock. Bryce on the left side, cross-court pass to Nuga. Mike open for a three from the left side, and he knocks down another one. Mike shooting it very well. Nuga had four threes in the game, one of his best offensive performances. You can almost tell when he's going to have a good game. He's got that bounce. He's got that, and, and he's got to get off to a good start. He did so in San Jose. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, talking to him today, the, the biggest difference between the two games, I thought in San Jose he was just he was hunting the catch-and-shoot threes, which is what we tell our guys to do. you got to sprint out space and hunt those catch-and-threes and shoot threes, and if, if you don't have it, you pump fake, you drive, and you create an advantage for a teammate who hopefully they have you know, are hunting a catch-and-shoot three opportunity just to continue to move, to get the ball moving, to get bodies moving. But I thought in San Jose, Mike did a really good job of just finding that open space, and uh, the ball was moving great, and we want Mike to shoot it. If he's open and catches it on time on target and in rhythm, uh, I think it's going in every time. And uh, But we need that. We need Mike dancing in the layup line. We need him talking. We need him, uh, you know, singing along with whatever song's going on because I think that's one of the things he brings to this group. Um, it's not outside of, as CT mentioned, you know, Royce is pretty vocal. Um, Keyshawn can be vocal. Vic can be vocal at times. But Mike kind of fits into that mold of getting the guys going. You know, the guy who's always going to be energetic, always going to be having fun. And, and you can kind of tell, yeah, there's days where, you know, he, he feels like he's a little hesitant or a little timid. And then there's days where he's bouncing around and happy and, and having a good time. Uh, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here. I'm kind of spitballing this one, throwing it out. To me, Mike looks so much more relaxed when he came off the bench in San Jose in terms of just not thinking about it, going out there, letting it rip, letting it fly. Do you see him as a guy when, when Josh is back, when you've got your full strength, that lineup that can kind of be that instant offense, coming off the bench, um, coming in there to, to score, to attack, to bring that energy. Do you see him as a guy that can kind of really define that role? Um, and do you see that making the game easier for him but also helping your team in the long run? It could be. I think if we're, if we're full staff and full strength, uh, yeah, I think that, that's an opportunity where he can come in, change the, or not change the game. If, if we start slow, he can come in and lift us up. If we get off to a good start, he can come in and keep it going. And uh, as we talked about after San Jose, the way Mike and Justin stepped in and just kept things going, the way David kept in, jumped in and just kept the momentum going, kept the pressure on San Jose, uh, continued to defend, I think that's when we, we can be a, a really good team. Um, and that might, that might be something to look at. You know, uh, Bake not going to be back and, and Mike in the starting spot versus off the bench. Uh, we, we've got to find what's best and most comfortable for Mike. Uh, that's part of our job is to figure out where, where he's most effective and, and helps the team the most. And, yeah, if he can have a little bit of that microwave roll off the, off the bench, no pun intended. You see what I did there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got <laughs> that was pretty clever. That was. But, uh, I like that. I didn't mean to do that, but uh, – there might be something there, but uh, we, we just got to get Mike to be, you know, energetic, have fun, aggressive, and uh, I think that's when we can be really good. Now, I love playing for Coach Long Kruger. 
don't get me wrong, fa my favorite coach, favorite guy in, in the world. But I would have loved to play for you based on what I've seen so far and what I'm hearing. Hunting threes, just finding them, shooting them, launching them, green light. Woo. Boy, oh boy. We, we act as if you didn't do that anyway. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it just because I don't think Lon or Kevin would have made a difference in yeah, that one. I, I, I think, you know, Helmut Kruger would have been, <laughs> been a coach and you still would have hunted threes. I don't think there's any question But thank it. you. <laughs> I that appreciate nice, that. That's very nice to say. You brought up David Mooka. And uh, this is a guy I think that fans are intrigued by because of his size, because of, of, of what they see at times. He's still figuring it out. He's still learning. I mean, Southland Conference up to this level is a big jump, and, and there are going to be some bumps and bruises on the way. I think ideally you might have wanted to have a, a redshirt year for him. You couldn't do it for a variety of reasons. Um, but, but David is beginning to show a little bit more consistency, a little bit more effectiveness at both ends of the floor, and he had a little fun at San Jose. McCabe into the front court, Rebels by nine, seven and a half to go. Now a great little pick and roll. McCabe to Mwoka for the slam dunk. Mwoka grabs the loose ball and lays it back in over his head. Nice job by David. And boy, that hurt the duck. The duck just grimaces and uh, did not like that at all. We, we will get to the duck in a second. David Mwoka first. Uh, just just a, a guy with so much potential. What does he have to do to start tapping into that? I think he's got to be a little more of a bully. Um, he, he's just, he's an... I don't know if you've had the chance to meet him and sit and talk with him. I mean, he is one of the nicest humans on the planet. Uh, he's fun to be around. He's easy to, to be around. He's, but on the court, we'd love for him to be meaner, be nastier. I mean, he, he, he's strong. He, he's got long arms. He's tall. He, uh, he cares about his teammates. You know, he doesn't care if they throw it to him. He's always looking to help them. And I think uh, he's going to be a foundational piece going forward especially as somebody that can anchor us defensively uh he's going to continue to do better protecting the rim he's going to he slides his feet really well for how big he is and then offensively he's just going to continue as he continues to play with these guys to be more of a threat around the rim and be that rim presence so when guys drive uh, they always have him to throw it up to and i just think as time goes on and as he gets more confidence and he continues to lift and he continues to eat right uh, I, I really think David's going to be somebody that, that everybody in Vegas and Rebel fans really love. I agree. I think, uh, I think this is a, a kid who has uh, as much potential and much room to grow as anybody. It's going to be a lot of fun watching it. Take a break. I uh, want to remind fans, Finley Chevrolet, located in the southwest at 215 and South Rainbow, Nevada's number one Chevrolet volume dealership. Frankly, they're customer-driven. We're going we're gonna to talk about the duck a little bit, but talk in general about atmospheric games and things you guys have seen during your careers uh, that you remember. Have a little fun with uh, you know, funny things and strange things that have happened uh, during your tenure as Donald walks by, speaking of the duck. In any event, we'll take a break. When we come back, you're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Back at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino, John Sandler, Curtis Terry, and head coach Kevin Kruger, running Rebels, getting ready for San Jose State tomorrow night at the Thomas and Mac. A noon tip will be on the air at 1130 with runner Rebel warm-up. All right, so earlier in the week, the Rebels go to San Jose, and... Uh, Strange things happen there. It's, it's, it's just, I mean, the squirrel that jumped between the two transformers and caused the blackout, and we weren't sure if we were going to play and had to do shoot-around using the lights from our cell phones a few years ago. 
the, the, the game we showed up and they'd had a, a big party in the, in the arena, the gym the night before and they kept having to stop the game because the confetti was falling from the ceiling. Stuff like that, just it, it happens. And, and something again happened this time, although this was uh, very positive and a lot of fun. And that was the appearance of, of the duck. And, and just to set the scene, it's kind of like a rec center more than, more than a, a college basketball arena. There are seats on either side, but both ends are kind of wide open. And on one end, there are wooden bleachers where I guess the students are supposed to sit. They unfortunately don't get a big turnout. And right in the middle of those bleachers, the only thing in those bleachers, living or otherwise, was a fan with a big duck head on and a hoodie and a whiteboard. And if you listen to the game, you obviously know that I found it quite entertaining, and we spent some time talking about it. Fortunately, we had time to. But I asked you after the game if you had noticed him, and you said before the game you just you, you caught it out of the corner of your eye. Obviously, during the game, you don't pay much attention to it. But it got me thinking about, you know, we, we play in college arenas, and things happen all the time, and people show up. Are there any things that stand out, Curtis or Kevin, from your careers that you remember uh, at certain places, things people have said, things people have done, dressed up, anything like that? They, you know, obviously, the student section at, at San Diego State, they've done some crazy things. The, Reb, the Rebellion, when, when it was really cranking, uh, they had a lot of fun with all sorts of stuff. But I'm just wondering from your guys' careers if, if there's anything that kind of stands out that, that you remember that was kind of fun or funny. I mean, off the top, just to list a few. Uh, Snake down at the pit. Yeah, well, that's another story. Love going down there and seeing yeah. Snake in his jersey. Um, the show at San Diego State was good. It was really good when I was on staff with Dave Rice. Yeah. Um, those, some, I, I hate to give them credit down there. Um, that, is it Viejas? Viejas. But darn, they're, they're clever and witty with some of those chants and some of those signs that they put up. Yeah. Um, Cotton Eye Joe. Cotton Eye Joe up in Wyoming. Auditorium Arena. Yeah. Uh, or Arena Auditorium. What you got, Kev? Oh, what's the, is Arizona State does the kind of the curtain of doom or something, don't uh, they? Curtain of distraction. Ooh. I wasn't there for that. That was, that was, that was relatively after. new. Yeah, that was after you. Um, well, and John, things people say. Well, I mean, you know, whatever. Th- it, that can get pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's probably for another. But I mean, setting. I, I remember. Um, I mean, and, and, especially when you play for your dad, that's a whole. Yeah, I'm sure those I, comments I, could get interesting. There are coaches, though, who will interact with the crowd a little bit. Uh, and, 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 I mean, you know, it, it depends on your personality. Former runner Rebel coach Marvin Menzies, the best I've ever seen at it. Uh, we, we were at Reno, and, and you play at Reno at the Lawler Event Center, and the fans are right on top of the court. And there was a guy sitting behind us who was all over Marvin. And with about five minutes to go in the first half, he started engaging this guy to the point where with about five minutes to go in the second half. Game's still going on, still competitive. And Marvin had just just a few things here and there. The guy had become his biggest fan, came up and shook his hand after the game. Uh, it, it was great. It was I can see that. Great. Marvin was easy to like. Yep, absolutely right. But, I mean, you know, we just see crazy things. And, and you know, it, it's, it's one of the joys of, of being involved in college sports and college basketball and, and seeing these things at different arenas that, that the fans get up to. And, the, you know, the Duck was was part of that story. I, I still Snake takes the cake though. I mean, oh yeah, for sure. When you walk, when you walk off the bus, Snake is there. Yeah. When you walk out onto the court for pregame warmups, Snake is pacing at midcourt. Yeah. Not sure how he's on the court, Mm-mm. but he is in full uniform too. In full just, uniform, face just, paint. Just to give context, this is at the pit in New Mexico. Snake is uh, 
they're super fan. He's about five feet tall, maybe yeah. five one. Might, who who might, knows how old he is? Might so. weigh 100 pounds. He could be 30. He could be 130. But, mm-hmm. but he also gets he gets free roam. Yeah. So you, during the national anthem, he was standing right behind my right shoulder two years ago. And it, when you break out of a timeout, you might walk right next to him. He just kind of he's had his hand in the huddle one time too. Yeah, I mean, for he's, sure. But it it's it's what makes it. I mean, like you say, with, with all the college venues, there's a lot of places that have a unique. Um, kind of thing to to their arena uh, playing at Oregon you know their students their student entrance is it just happens to be where the bus drops off the opposing team or it used to be at the old pit uh, I'm not sure at Matthew Knight arena but so when you're walking into the arena you've got students on both sides of you uh, but that, I think that's what makes college basketball great is uh, just all those uh, those traditions that have been around for forever and and they kind of make everybody every home court advantage unique yeah and and every court has its own unique flavor or 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 something architectural about it uh, that's different i remember we went and played in minnesota in the old barn in williams arena where the teams sit down below almost below the court your 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 chins at court level and you got to kind of get up to get onto the court yes you're like playing on like on a platform which made it kind of freaky because like loose balls um, on the base on their sideline, you, you want to chase them down, especially when coach is like, come on, Kurt. But, no, I'm putting the brakes on, man, because I feel like you could <laughs> fall off there. You're, you're diving headfirst in the, into the front row. Um, I, know, I know that, you know, for years at Maples Pavilion up at Stanford, uh, the court had kind of a bounce to it. Uh, it was built that way, and, and some teams couldn't, couldn't really get a handle on that. Well, yeah, playing at the old Maples, they, uh, you know, with the swing down hoops from the ceiling, it, when, the, when those games would get tight, uh, the students would intentionally just jump and encourage everybody to jump to the point where the hoop would actually sway. And, and that's why those kids go to Stanford. Yeah, they, they, they figured out how to make it sway just enough. Yeah, but, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it, the little things like that. Uh, 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 but And with that said, I mean, those are just a couple of things that I remember from mostly when I was sitting on the bench watching Kevin play. Um, well, let's be real, John. I mean, when we're in the game, you're locked in between the lines. Nothing else matters. Um, but, no, but seriously, some people can't handle that, though. Some people are completely taken out of their game. Um, they're, they're psyched out. Um, their feelings get hurt when they um, – San Diego State prints a picture of two guys sitting in a hot tub and they post your gr- girlfriend's cell phone number on a big whiteboard. Um, yeah, things can get real. There's also, there's also a, a line. <laughs> it wasn't and- me, no. There's also a line, and you know, you hope it doesn't get crossed. Uh, occasionally, occasionally it does, but uh, but most of all, most of the time, it's fun, and, and, and it, it, it's it's great to be part of the environment. And you know, we all love it. We're all involved in it for a reason. So I uh, just wanted to would touch on that. And uh, you know, I, I hope the duck's okay. He didn't look real good at the end of the game with his uh, board that said pain. And uh, you know, we look forward to just maybe seeing him again at some point. Hopefully, he comes to the Mount West Conference tournament. All right, we're going to take another break, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk about San Jose State and the matchup, the rematch, and how do you get ready for a rematch uh, when, uh, when we return. I want to remind you that there are many ways to be satisfied here at the Orleans Hotel and Casino. You can savor the latest and greatest variety of flavors right here at Babywick, All-American Pub and Eatery. Food and fun, it's what they do. Back with more Kevin Kruger Radio Show right here from Babywick on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. All right, back here at Babywick for our final segment. The show coming up after us here at Bailiwick, some music, uh, live music they have every Friday and Saturday, so you'll enjoy that. And uh, 
we will get ready for the Spartans of San Jose State at the Thomas and Mac tomorrow at noon, 11.30, run a Rebel warm-up. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, and head coach Kevin Kruger. And, and coach, uh, very unusual in college basketball to play a team two times in a, in a seven- or six-day stretch in this case. Uh, you said it last night, regardless of how the Rebels did, and they did a really good job and, and won the game fairly easily up, up at San Jose. Uh, you know Coach Miles is going to make some adjustments, and you guys have to be ready. I think the number one thing we talked about uh, was just not thinking we're going to show up and it's going to be a similar outcome just by showing up. Uh, you know, Coach Miles, they'll adjust, they'll they'll figure it out, um, and that's what that's what we talked about a lot today. Was just uh, doing the same exact thing we did to get ready for San Jose from a mental approach uh, up for that game up in San Jose, and uh, just know it's going to be a forty-minute fight and be ready for it. CT, I don't. I don't know that I've ever. I can remember uh, other than when you play a team in the last game of the year and you play them in the first round of the Mountain West Conference tournament. That's happened a couple of times to the Rebels. I can't remember ever this. This you know, almost a back to back like this. Well, John. Yes. Curtis. All of last year during conference play, we played two games in three days. That's true. So, um, no, but seriously, I mean that probably helps out in terms of the, the scout, the preparation for you guys, Kevin, uh, to get your guys ready. And obviously the players, we've seen how quickly they adapt to situations. Um, for them sitting out, not having been on the court for four or five days, jumping back in there with a day and a half uh, worth of time being on the court and, and coming out and playing great. So uh, I wouldn't say that I'm worried about the players as much as worried about these old guys over here. Um, but, no, I, I think it's, it's almost kind of more – Chess, right? You're, you're trying to make sure how do you maneuver and make sure you don't make the, the wrong move or the right move at the right time. Um, and so I think it's going to be fun. Uh, but definitely hoping that we can lay another one on Coach Miles because he's a nice guy, but he's not that nice. <laughs> well, the Rebels need a W, get some momentum. they got San Diego State on Monday. Thank you, Mountain West Conference, uh, for, for providing the Rebels with an even shorter turnaround uh, to take on the, 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 the perennial conference champs. Uh, Crazy, crazy schedule, and uh, as you said, Kevin, you just you know you, it is what it is. You play you play them as they they tell you, and uh, that's the next two for the Runner Rebels. Uh, Want to thank you guys for uh, showing up on this special Friday edition, if you will, of the Kevin Kruger Radio Show. The next uh, time we'll be here will be Wednesday night, and we'll be back to our usual six o'clock uh, start on Wednesday night. The Rebels will have played San Jose tomorrow, San Diego State on Monday. Between now and then, and remember tomorrow, Thomas and Mac noon start. Uh, Runner Rebels and San Jose State, 1130, with Runner Rebel warm-up. want to thank Ari for his great work back in our Learfield studios. Nick Murphy does such a great job for us, uh, as reliable as anybody uh, can be. And now for Coach Kruger and my broadcast partner, Curtis Terry, this is John Sandler saying thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you tomorrow afternoon from the Thomas and Mac, tomorrow morning. Have a great evening, everybody.